SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. Welcome back to the Sportsbeat KC podcast. This is Jesse Newell, KB reporter for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined once again this week by CJ Moore of The Athletic and Bleacher Report. CJ, how is your week going? Jesse, busy. How you doing, man? Good. Yeah, busy is the right word because it is kind of the middle of conference schedule. This is uh, when things start to heat up, you know, cliche-wise, when it gets the coldest outside, which I'm sitting here uh, in Hadel Auditorium, which is next to Allen Fieldhouse, in my full coat as it's, whatever, five degrees outside. But, again, the basketball, it is fully college basketball season now uh, with college football ending up last week. And now Kansas, 3-1 and one in Big 12 conference play, took victories at TCU last week and at home against Iowa State. Let's just do a state of the program here, CJ. I guess what do you see from the Jayhawks? What did you see from them in this last week? And what do you think about um, them moving forward here? Got a, a home game against Kansas State on Saturday and then Big Monday at West Virginia coming up on Monday. Oh, man, state of the program. Well, I think they are fortunate to have the record they have considering what their defenses look like and how they just continue to get pounded game after game on the boards <laughs> to be three and one at this point in the big 12 is just kind of crazy like what what's their what what do they rank in defensive efficiency in the big 12 let's see they're, they're so they're, they're they're moving on up but uh yeah, it's just kind of been a wild ride. Like it's it's nothing like a Bill Self experience you're you're used to. Yeah, that and again, KU was tenth going into the uh, Iowa State game, I believe, and that actually was the best defensive performance uh, that KU has had in Big Twelve play, which kind of seems crazy because watching that game, it really didn't seem like KU was dominating defensively. But yeah, now up to up to quote eighth defensively. I wrote about this in my last story, CJ, but. KU, in those four games, if you combine all the points together, points scored versus points allowed, KU is plus three in terms of point total, yet three and one in those games. So that's a a pretty good mark for KU. Pretty good for Bill Self to kind of pull the rabbit out of the hat and push the right buttons and win those close games, which KU seems to do every single year. But, you know, let's talk about the defense. Uh, I I guess I'm kind of a broken record at this point. It feels like I've written about this kind of a couple weeks in a row, but it, it seems to me like a first half, and a second half thing. And it seems to me like a not tired and a tired thing. And until the Jayhawks hear official word from Silvio DeSosa or Billy Preston from the NCAA to get those guys eligible, especially Billy Preston, it just seems like kind of the same old rut over and over again, which is Devonta Graham's going to get leaned on crazy amount of minutes, Steve McKayluke and LeGerald Vick the same way. And those guys just can't be as fresh in the second half as they are in the first half. So KU's going to give up points in the second half. From there, it's just a matter of trying to to outshoot and outscore the problems that they have. And again, to their credit, they've been able to do that in three out of four games to start the Big 12 season. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I feel like you could just pop on last week's podcast. But, you know, please listen to both of them. But <laughs> the, <laughs> the points we make will probably be a lot of, a lot of similar things. Um you know, I, I've said it again and again. This team can defend when they play with energy, and they get really average on def- defense when they don't. And I, I think that um, that first half, second half look that, that you took at it was was just hit that on you know really, really, really showed that that's that's the case because obviously you're going to have more energy in the first half. Um, the the rebounding is is just what's what's crazy that that they're just continue to get killed on the boards. 
like they do. And, um, you know, to that, that, that's what, that's what really puts pressure on your defense. Cause you know, it's hard enough to get a team stopped on the first shot, but when you're giving them second, third looks, that's, that's just crazy. And, uh, you know, I do think that coming up here, K state this weekend, that should be something that's not a huge, huge concern. I'm just pulling it up now. K state's not a great offensive rebounding team. And, uh, so, you know, you would hope that, that you can handle that, but then, Next up is is West Virginia, and I don't even need to look at the number to tell you. I'm guessing West Virginia is one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country because they always are. So that's uh, that's going to be concerning here here coming up. And one thing that I was thinking about the other day was, like you said, what are they? You said they're plus three in point differential. Yeah, plus three through four games. It's it's not while it's crazy that they're you know three and one with that record. It's not that much different than what was going on last year. If I, you know, I wrote about this last year. Their point differential and like um, efficiency margin in conference play compared to other teams with similar records in other leagues who like profiled out to be high seeds was was crazy low. Like it just it didn't make sense that they had the efficiency margin they had and the um, record they had last year. I can click back on it real quick. They were in conference games last year. They were about let me do the quick math five six. They were seven point seven points better per hundred possessions than their opponent. That's not very high for a team that went sixteen and two. Like that's just insane. Yeah, I mean it's just that Bill Self slash Allen Fieldhouse magic formula slash. As much as we've talked about with this team and how it being lacking, it's also toughness or competitiveness or whatever you want to say down the stretch because you coaching, know, coaching. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, yeah. You, you can go through all those things, but again, KU's winning close games. Here are their losses this year: Washington by nine, Arizona State by ten, Texas Tech by twelve, and so now you can count. Okay, Kentucky won by four. Um, when Nebraska won by one, we were both at that game where KU executed down the stretch. Texas won by six. Uh, TCU won by four. Iowa State won by five. I mean, this is the formula for KU basketball over the years. They keep defying. There's, there's really nothing out there that would make you think, okay, KU's just going to win whatever it is, 75 or 80% of the close games that it gets into. But year after year after year, that's just what happens, and that's what separates the Jayhawks from the other teams in the Big 12 Conference standings. And even with this team that seems so dissimilar from years past, that trend has continued so far, and that's the reason I keep saying head above water, but I think I, I really mean it. Like KU has kept its head above water in the league race when really if, if KU was 2-2 two and two or 1-3, and three, it would be out of this thing by now with the uh, the competition that's at the top of the Big 12. But so far, the Jayhawks aren't in uh, – Bill Soff said this well. They're not in great shape, but they're not in horrible shape. I mean there's so much conference, no, uh, conference – so many conference games left. I mean – Basically, the Jayhawks have to go on the road and win Lubbock. I mean, no team has ever swept Bill Self in the regular season. It's a big reason they've had those 13 straight conference titles, so that's going to be a huge game. But until then, you know, you steal a couple more on the road, you keep holding serve at home, and and all of a sudden you go down to the schedule and you're one of the top teams in the Big 12, which is where KU should be when this thing is all said and done. But it is kind of fascinating that even when KU seems like they can't get any stops late, I mean, it just seems like score, layup, layup, open three, open three, open three, KU still comes down the stretch and wins a close game, and, and that's kind of been the MO, and it continues to be the MO even when this team kind of wins it a little bit differently. And you look at this, you know, in terms of the Big 12 championship and and trying to keep the streak alive, I think the next four games are huge. You've got K State at home, 
at West Virginia, Baylor at home, and then at Oklahoma. You absolutely have to win those two home games. Like yes. K-State and Baylor are two of the worst teams in your league. You have to beat those teams. And then to to really be in a good spot, I feel like you've got to at least win one of those road games. And those might be your two toughest road games left. Could be. I mean, Texas Tech, I would put in the discussion. It's, and- it's in there. But, yeah, but that, that's – I mean, at West Virginia at West Virginia is always a tough place to play. They're playing really well right now. And uh, then that Oklahoma – I mean, I – to me, I think Oklahoma might be the most talented team in the league. Just when you look at their bench, you look at not it's not just Trey Young, like they've got guy, they've got dudes. It's 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 not just Trey Young. They I put average point guard on Oklahoma and replaced Trey Young with an above average point guard, they'd still be a pretty dang good team this year. Like obviously he's taken them to another level, but I I really like their team. And the fact that they played a little defense the other day to win, like that's that's where their ceiling comes into play. Is it going to be a team that decides to play defense? Because they actually have the pieces to be a good defensive team. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at that part. If he goes three and one, that's amazing. That that's great. That's really really <laughs> good. If KU goes two and two. Uh, again, you're kind of starting to work yourself maybe out of the Big 12 league race, depending on what the other teams do. And we've mentioned this so many times. Um, there are so many candidates at the top. You know, it, it seems like those four have kind of separated themselves. KU, West Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas Tech have kind of separated themselves at the top of the Big 12 standings. And so it's just not out of the realm of possibility that one of those teams, kind of like Kansas, goes on and wins a bunch of close games and has a pretty nice conference record, you know, 14-4, and four, that sort of thing. And so... If you don't continue to keep up with those guys, if you don't continue to kind of keep pace with what you've done in recent years in the Big 12 Conference standings, you could see a scenario where, okay, you go 2-2 two and two and you're starting to look up at teams ahead of you and it becomes a more and more difficult challenge just with the way that the uh, the conference shakes out this year. So um, getting back to this particular team, though, uh, you know, one guy we've talked about a lot lately is Malik Newman. And, you know, Bill Self talked about kind of the, the factors that went into his big game against uh, against, uh, I'm sorry, against Iowa State, where Iowa State was guarding him with their center, Cameron Laird, and you know he kind of had to attack that matchup because otherwise KU was going to be in, in struggle uh, offensively because that was the mismatch. But still for Malik to uh, to at least come out, score a career high in points, to look aggressive, to look more like himself, to show some personality, um, I, I think it was pretty creative a way for Steve Prohm to try to attack KU's offense. But at the same time, I'm not sure he did any favors for the rest of the Big 12 because it seems like it might be something that could get Lake Newman headed back in a positive direction, whereas before that game, he really was struggling. Even Bill Self was admitting that and when he lost his spot in the starting lineup. So um, it'll kind of be fascinating to see how Lake Newman goes from here because it seems like KU's offense and also defensive rebounding could be in much better shape if he's able to give the Jayhawks better minutes. Yeah, he is. He is there. What statistically, I guess he's their third best defensive rebounder, um, looking at defensive rebounder percentage. But he is pretty good at coming back and and getting boards. But it, that that game was interesting, and and um, you know I, I'd like to see, you'd like to see him come back and and have another positive game here this weekend against K State. But man, they were really they were almost daring him to shoot the way they were guarding him. I mean, a lot of times they weren't. They weren't coming out on him in the in the on the three point lane. They were almost given not the Marcus Garrett treatment, but but it was kind of similar, and that can really mess with your mind. I mean, when you're a shooter like Malik Newman, and all of a sudden a team's like daring you to shoot, like that's that's kind of a crazy that can mess with your mind for sure. And so it was um, 
you know, a positive that he was able to come out, attack that the way they were guarding him, and come away with a, a, a pretty big, um, what did he score, 27 points in that one? Yeah, 27 points. I almost compared it more to the Washington game where, you know, Washington played that funky 2-3 defense. But basically, you could kind of tell Mike Hopkins was saying, let LeGerald Vick beat us. You know what I mean? Let LeGerald Vick basically mm-hmm. run free and do what he wants to do and we'll just cover everybody else. That was kind of what the defense was for Iowa State against Kansas. And I don't know it was a horrible strategy because, again, Malik Newman, his confidence was so low, whether that was Malik Newman or Marcus Garrett in the game. Those two guys uh, offensively, I mean, Marcus right now is just limited, as we know. He's much better on the defensive end. But for Malik, it's sort of like he'd been in such a rut that you, you wonder if he could shake himself out of it in the, in the course of a game. And, again, um, his efficiency numbers were fine. You know, His shooting percentage wasn't amazing, but he didn't turn it over that often, was great on the defensive glass, and then made enough threes to make it an efficient night for him. But KU really needed him. And, uh, again, if nothing else, kind of just showed a little bit of emotion. I kept, I felt like I was talking about the dark ages when I said, hey, in Italy in August, that guy was as much of a personality on the team as Devontae Graham was. You know, he was pumping up the crowd. He was talking trash to, to guys on the other team. You know, he was acting like he couldn't be guarded and had all the confidence in the world. And that was just shot in recent games. So um, that could be a positive for KU. We saw at the end of the TCU game, basically Bill Self saw that Malik Newman and LeGerald Dick was giving they were both giving KU nothing on the offensive end, so we just kept throwing Devontae Graham in ball screen situations and said, basically, go save KU. You know, go save the team by just coming up with plays, and Devontae Graham was able to do it. Uh, against Iowa State, it was a little bit different because, you know, Sue McCulloch made his threes, and then Malik Newman was able to be aggressive enough to take advantage of the mismatch, and that's good for Kansas. I mean, those guys are good. Devontae Graham's good. Sue McCulloch's good. Yudoka Adzabuki is good in certain matchups when teams are, are really defending the three-point line, but... It, it sure changes KU's offense when, when Gerald Vick and uh, and Malik Newman are guys that are more aggressive offensively. It, it can be a, a much more dangerous team on the floor when those guys have to be respected on both the drive and with the shot. For sure, and and you're you're leaving out uh, one Svezis McIluk too. That, yeah, well, yeah. And that, I, uh, I mean, well, let's 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 plug my story a little bit. Let's Jesse. do it. If you if you simply look at the numbers, good KU has had good Svee. Bad KU has had very below average, you know, aver- average speed, low confidence speed, and it's it's kind of crazy when you look at the games where they've been efficient and when they haven't. It all it it lines up with the good shooting games that Sweet's he's been really really important and and become the uh you know the second leading scorer on this team and and really you these this last handful of games you've you've seen the the good version of Sweet and I think that's really really important because you're not getting a lot of consistency out of LeGerald Vick and Malik Newman. So you need, you need that um, consistency out of, out of Svee. And he's, he's had here again, a, a good stretch and you hope that he doesn't, you know, revert back to the, w- what he was here about a month ago where he was really struggling. Yeah. It's, I mean, it brings up another point, which is LeGerald Vick. I, I don't know what to say at this point. Again, well, by, the, by the time people are reading this, or I'm not reading this, they're listening to this. I hope they're listening to this. It wouldn't be very interesting to read on the uh, on your iPhone. But <laughs> by the time people listen to this, you know, this K-State game at 11 a.m. on Saturday could be over. And maybe LeGerald Vick scores 30 points. I don't know. So this could be a yeah. weird discussion to be having. But the last three games, I he's mean, in a funk. I, I, he's in a weird funk. And not only that. Defensively, he, too. Yeah. And if you look at his numbers offensively, you know, for the season, I mean, he remains a very efficient player. You know, 121 offensive rating, 20% possession percentage, so he takes mm-hmm. on an average offensive load. So, I mean, those are both really good numbers. 
the, the problem has kind of been more of a mental thing, like a, a head game. He just hasn't been aggressive at all and attacking like he's capable of attacking. So, you know, you look at just shot attempts over the last three games. You know, Texas Tech, he gets nine, goes one for nine. TCU, he gets four field goal attempts. And then Iowa State, again, he, he takes nine. But it's just not the same LeGerald Vic that was there early in the season. And the guy has crazy athleticism. The guy is able, maybe better than anybody else on the team, to get to the rim by himself off the dribble and score there just because of the gifts he has. But it's just been too much inconsistency. It's been too much of a no-show for him lately, and KU desperately needs him. And it does make you wonder when you hear Bill Self in post-game talking about guys and, and being amped up to play and playing with energy and kind of bringing it consistently, you, you, your kind, mind kind of wonders, like, who is he talking about specifically in this situation? And right now, I, I would have to think that Gerald Vick is the guy. That's the question mark. I mean, Bill Self's always been great about pushing the right buttons and figuring out what motivates guys and doing whatever it is to get those guys to play at their highest level. Uh, in mid-January, I think it's a question mark with Gerald Vick. I don't think Bill Self right now knows how to unlock the best LeGerald Vick because at this point he remains an efficient player, but he's a guy that just is either sky high or is a guy that um, KU can't rely upon. He's just completely inconsistent. So uh, I don't know. He's a wild card right now for the Jayhawks. Could be a great wild card. Could be a totally negative wild card. But the last three games, the Jayhawks have needed him, and, and he really hasn't shown up. Yeah, they almost need for – them, for them to be good, they usually need three of four of Graham, Svee, Vic, and Newman to be rolling. To, yeah. to, to be their good versions. I mean, they can afford to have one of them kind of fall off, but man, it, it gets tough when you get like two of them having a, having a bad night. So, um, the, the fact that maybe Malou, Newman's kind of getting back into it. And, and like you said, this summer and when he was in high school, I mean, that was his reputation. He was a scorer. He was a guy that would maybe flap his lips a little bit, was super, super confident, um, type dude. And, uh, maybe he's, he's getting back. It was one game. It's not go go to it was one game where teams weren't really guarding him. So let's let's kind of wait and see here. But they they could definitely use him uh, get going again. Yeah, let's bring back defensively too. You mentioned the point kind of just in passing earlier, but this is kind of complicated math for Kansas when you look at it. I mean, I'll start with I, I always kind of go back to this a lot, but I, I think it's important. It's pretty interesting to me when we talk about the four factors of basketball and Dean Oliver and his kind of game-changing study with it. Basically, there's four factors that determine how you do both offensively and defensively. You got shooting, that makes up 40%. You got turnovers that make up 25%. You got rebounding, which makes up 20%. And you've got um, allowing free throws, which makes up 15%. You talked about it with Kansas. The Jayhawks actually have had pretty decent first shot defense, even though it doesn't seem like it a lot of the time. And if you go in Big 12 play, let me click on it real quick here. Uh, the effective field goal percentage against Kansas, now it's up to fifth with the performance against Iowa State, but that number was first uh, going into that game. So the Jayhawks' first shot defense hasn't been completely awful. Um, but again, you have to add other factors in there. Like You can't just be good at one and then hope the others fall in line. And for KU, it's kind of an interesting point because they're last in the conference in defensive rebounding, and they've been a very passive defensive team up until late in the Iowa State game where they got super huge clutch steals late to not only get zeros on the Iowa State end, but also get two points on the other end, two or three points when there were fouls involved, and get those clutch plays down the stretch when they really needed points. So for KU, it's like one of those two needs to go up. You know, either the turnovers need to go up or the defensive rebounding needs to go up. And without DeSosa and without Preston, 
it's kind of like on a night-to-night basis, you don't know which one to rely upon. So it's it's kind of fuzzy with this defense right now. I mean, the Jacks look tired in the second half, and they're not great at communicating, and the switches aren't always solid, and it seems like there's some confusion out there. And then you add on top of that that you're not sure if it's going to be a good rebounding night or a bad rebounding night, or a good turnover night or a bad turnover night. And it just seems like Cave's just kind of out there running through the motions defensively, whereas throughout Bill Self's entire 15 years, you could always kind of bank on an identity of force the team to a bad shot, get the rebound. Force the team to a bad shot, get the rebound. So this is just a little bit different defensively than what we've seen from Kansas, and it it makes it, I think, a little bit unsettling for fans to watch this after seeing the consistency of the Jayhawks for so many years on that end. Yeah, it's uh, it comes down to, to to numbers and just the the personnel, I, I think. And, and so we're we're still we're still waiting, still waiting, still waiting to see if that personnel will ever change. And uh, I don't know. I mean, J- Jesse, we we should probably talk about it at some point. What what do you think? What you you're around self week in and week out, and I feel like he's had stretches where he's optimistic and then he stretches where like golly is this ever going to happen where where would you put the uh the mood right now it's tough because you know last week before the tcu game he put billy preston and sylvia de sosa back in practice with the first and second teamers so that indicates to me that he was basically expecting news even that friday and now here we sit a week later still nothing as of you know three o'clock friday afternoon um I still think he's on the optimistic side. I don't think that's changed over the last week. But again, when you hear soon, and you hear soon for 16 different instances or whatever it's been, it has been 16, but maybe five or six now, and still no word has come, um, it makes you wonder. Now, I think the situations are different. Let's start with that, too, because Billy Preston, I think KU needs more because he's been with the team since the summer. He should hypothetically know the play calls by now, know how Bill Self likes to play defense, should be further along in his development than Sylvia DeSosa. So I see him as a guy that could walk in immediately, get 10-ish minutes in his first game if he's cleared, maybe 15 the next game, and then settle in the 20 to 25-minute range You know, once he kind of gets his footing a little bit after that. DeSosa, I'm not sure that Bill Self is really that disappointed that he can't play yet. I think he would be happy with the body, but if we're being honest, he got to campus two weeks ago, and... It's just more complicated than stepping on the court and being able to play. You know, Bill Self loves, loves to kind of micromanage the end of close games, and for good reason. We just talked about why his team is so good in late-game scenarios. It's because the Jayhawks have a great offensive coordinator on the sideline who knows exactly the right play calls to run against certain defenses. So Silvio Sosa doesn't know those play calls. I mean, he doesn't know what the team wants to do. So it's kind of like a guy you use if you get in bad foul trouble – Maybe the first half, you teach him one or two offensive plays and just say, hey, we're only going to run these two things, so just know those. And then on the defensive end, just try to remember the principles and grab every defensive rebound, that sort of thing. But, you know, I think best case scenario for him is that's a body you can use in March during the game, during the season's most important games, you know, 10 to 15 minutes optimistically at the end. But even then, probably not playing at the end of close games because that's when Bill Self really likes to Bill Self, if you will, and, and be the, the great offensive coordinator that he is. So, with the Sosa, it's more of a different issue. It's something like, hey, has he played with pros overseas? Has he been, is he truly an amateur? That news could be separate from the Preston situation. Preston, obviously, this is a more complicated scenario than we first thought just because he's already sat 15 games. And if it was a minor issue, you would think the NCAA would say, hey, he's guilty, but the punishment is 15 games. Get him back in there. Everything's fine. So 
It could be different times, different answers on both of those guys, but as of right now, like you said, it's a crazy situation because KU remains in limbo, and how Bill Self coaches this team and how he sees this team in two months is totally different compared or based on what the results of the NCAA findings are. So it really is a team in limbo right now. Yeah, and it's just, it's so bizarre that like it could it could take this long because they've got it the information in front of them. It's not like they're pouring over a bunch of other academic you know eligibility type cases because <laughs> they don't have others on their plate. But you know I'm sure they're restricted in in the the number of people they have that can work on this type of stuff. Who knows? But what their excuse would be. But um, it's it's just kind of wild that both continue to to take this long without like uh, an answer one way or the other. So, um, I know, you know, I, I get the questions all the time, whether I'm out and about or it's Twitter and I'm sure you get 10 times as much as I do. So, uh, (laughs) it's always kind of the same. Like we don't really have much, uh, insight, but it's definitely, um, weird to have this like looming over, where you, when you try to talk about this team and you form narratives and and you kind of look at the, the future because you don't know what that exactly is going to look like. But but like I said last week, even if those guys come in and like you were kind of saying, you know, it's it's a possession here there. Twenty minutes for Preston, I think that might even be high. I think he might be more like a ten to twenty minute guy. Who know, you know? We'll see. But uh, this team's still going to continue to play like they're playing. They're still going to be the team that shoots a lot of threes, but they could definitely really, really, really use that, that help on the boards. Just, you know, you get 15 minutes of those two combined, at least maybe that helps you, you know, grab a couple more defensive rebounds where right now in conference play, you're giving up nearly 42% of your, of opponents misses. They're getting back. It's just, just a, a crazy number. Yeah. It's, it's dangerous territory too for Bill Self because at some point, Look, look, what he wants to do right now is if those guys become eligible, especially Billy Preston, he wants to transition his team back to playing two bigs. More. I don't know that he. I don't know that he does entirely. I mean, well, but no, I, listen, listen, not entirely. But, he wants but to some fif- fifteen, and, min- and you fifteen can, minutes a game, and you can get Mitch Lightfoot playing the four more, much more. I think it helps him more than any other. Like, because then you can Preston can be your backup five, and you can get minutes with Lightfoot as as your four in, in some of that. But what I'm saying is a lot of coaching is trying to figure out what is overall good for your team and what is overall not good for your team. Because we can both agree, if Billy Preston comes back, this team will improve defensively because it will get more defensive rebounds. Now, what will that do for the team offensively, though? I mean, this team, Bill Self has a whole playbook of two bigs offense. You know what I mean? Like getting angles, high-low passes, over the top. Like, he has a whole playbook. He can go back to it if he wants. But this team, for two straight months, has only played four guards. So... At this point in the season, if you transition back to it or transition back to it for 15 or 20 minutes a game, whatever the case may be, is that going to help out your defense enough to take perhaps a little bit of an offensive hit and have this team kind of lose the identity it's built up in two months to try to go back to kind of a a mixed one where sometimes you play four guards, sometimes you play two bigs? I don't know that answer, but I think it gets more dangerous as the day goes on because um, at some point you have to just decide for yourself like, do you just have to go with what you got? You know, is it too late in the season to try to reverse course and do a U-turn with what you've been doing for so long and say, hey, this is better for the team moving forward, even though you're really getting a late start at trying to do this? And so for Bill Self, that just kind of, I think at this point, and he probably would never say this on the record, and he probably doesn't wouldn't really accept this just because KU is so thin overall as a roster, but 
it's almost like you would just rather have word one way or the other. I mean, just oh, know. Yeah. Just, just know. Yeah, just like, know. If, if Billy Preston isn't going to play, it's almost like it would serve self better to know that right now and, and, and just be able to know that with the team. And then what you do is you probably slow down the pace a little bit. You probably play Sam Cunliffe through more of his mistakes. You probably play Mitch Light through, for more, of his, through more of his mistakes. Try to get those other guys breathers and know that it's a longer season. You kind of have to play the long game with it. But as it stands right now, they kind of just have to keep – pushing forward and pushing those guys to their limits, believing that Billy Preston and Silvio DeSosa are coming while not really knowing that that's going to be the case. And it's got to be a frustrating situation to be in. I don't know that you slow the pace. I don't know that you do that. I mean, these guys, the four guard lineup, you have to almost push the pace. Like I know the guys are getting tired, but there's times where like you've, you've got to get out and run. Cause that's the, 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 the best offense for, for those guys. But, uh, but he has, he yeah. has to an extent slowed down. I mean, he, he does in stretches. He does in stretches And they play sure. zone to rest. I mean, he's done certain small things. You know, end of halves, he's been slowing his team down. Uh, zone defenses, part of that is just so that Devontae Graham can stay in one spot for a, for a few seconds. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. well, trust me, Bill Self's the last coach that wants to uh, to sacrifice on defense so that his guys can be rested for offense. No, but he's, he's definitely having to think about the game and coach in ways that he doesn't – he's uncomfortable with just because, like – he usually it's like okay we're not going to zone because that's sending a bad you know a bad signal to our team that like we're we're just not tough we're not going to guard where you know they're just trying to survive i mean every game is just trying to survive and um that's that's what it's the reality until they get more bodies it's just and and you know even when they get more bodies i think they're still going to be a team that's just plays a lot of close games and it's just trying to survive so um, it's, it's a weird season, man. And, and, uh, you, you just kind of, you, you, they've got to break it down into to little segments and like get through this next four game segment, three and one after that, the schedule kind of lightens up for a bit. And then the end of the se- the year will stretch where they go West Virginia, Oklahoma, Texas tech, Texas, Oklahoma state to end it. So I mean, Oklahoma state's probably the worst team in the league, but that's a, you know, right before that, that's a pretty brutal stretch, but three of those games are at home. So, you know, there's, there's a, there's a way they can go out and win this league, but <laughs> it's, it's going to be uh, I hope, I hope Kansas fans have, have strong hearts. Go get your heart checked. Cause it's going to be kind of a crazy next couple months. I'll only say this once. It's almost, Almost. Listen, if KU does this the 14th straight year against this conference and does something no other team has done, it's amazing. And it's an amazing streak. Put, put it at the top of the list of, of his most impressive coaching jobs if, if it happens. Yeah, well, and also, to do it 14 years in a row, this will never be done ever again in the history of college basketball. I mean, I I will say it. Guarantee this will never be done. Even in horrible conferences, it shouldn't be done, uh, especially in the you know the Power Five sort of thing. I mean, it's, it's amazing. But... It's it's the same thing you're looking at here. It's it's like I, I think your word survival was really good. KU on a game to game basis is trying to survive. I don't know what that does for them in March, because it seems like you continue to push Devontae Graham to his absolute limits, and you survive. And you push Sabine McCauley to his absolute limits, and you survive. And you push LeGerald Dick to his absolute limits, and you survive. I just don't know how long that's a maintainable pace. And at one point. You know, usually this is the time of year when KU kind of hits a lull and then has to catch a second win. That was a month ago for the Jayhawks. You know what I mean? Like that that happened a month ago. Now they've kind of caught their second win. They're going to need a third win and maybe a fourth win. And so um, to get this league title and to stay competitive, it's just taking taking so much juice that uh, man, I, I it, it's it's a tough it's a tough deal for the Jayhawks because 
Um, I'll be interested to see how much is left in the tank for March because we know this. I mean, fans will love to get number 14 if it happens, but fans would more love to have a Final Four banner up because it's been a few years, especially for for a program like Kansas. So um, I don't know the correct answer. Obviously, you try to win every game, but uh, this team more than others seems like it's dragging in mid-January, and I don't know what that means for the future, but it's sure – KU sure could use help. KU sure could use a Billy Presser and a Sylvia DeSosa to, to help out that rotation just to get a guys a few more minutes of breather. I see real, real quick. Who, who, what's the Bill Self team at Kansas that you think about more so than any other that was just like not, not only during the season, but especially during the NCAA tournament was just like trying to survive, just trying to survive, pl- playing that way, you know, trying to survive every game. What what team do you think of? <laughs> well, 2012 is probably the one you're, you're asking, asking about, and that's probably the one I think of. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's we, we talk like that, and that, that, that's a team that was, had a thin bench, and, you know, throughout the NCAA tournament was just trying to survive. I mean, Bill Self probably ran more triangle and two during that tournament run than, you know, in like a three-game stretch than, than he ever has. So, uh who knows? I mean, while you, you know, we're talking about this, you know, the, the way we talk about this team is like one of the worst teams Bill Self's ever had. And I mean, they, at this point, they, they're they up there. But uh, who who knows? Because I think a lot of people talked about that group that way, and, and they ended up somehow sneaking into a national championship. So we'll yeah, see. And I don't think it is one of his worst teams just because, again, I trust the numbers and KU 10th and Ken Palm. I mean, when you make threes, that's a, a good feat, and they they beaten some teams really bad early in the season. I know that's not the same team that's taking the court right now, but I will also say this about the two teams comparing them. The 2012 team had a really short bench, but had only one player in Tyshawn Taylor that played 83% of KU's minutes. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you go down the line uh, for KU this year, Devontae Graham, 89% of KU's minutes. Svima Kailuk, 84% of KU's minutes. LaGerald Vick, 83% of KU's minutes. And so while that team was also thin, this team really relies on three players, basically are pushing three players more or at the same level that KU was able to kind of keep limited to one in that season. So it's a different kind of fatigue. It's a different kind of pushing players. And again, I, I just think for for Bill Self and for Devontae Graham, for all those guys, it's almost like there reaches a breaking point where you have to figure out some sort of way to get their minutes into the 35-minute range instead of the 38-minute range because I'm just not sure they can keep up the same performance over and over and over again playing the minutes they have right now. They've done it so far. Credit to them. It just seems like that isn't the best formula moving forward, especially if you hope to have anything left in the tank for the for the most important games coming up in March. Luckily, our, our narrative next season will be so much different when we're having all these. It'll be, how do they find minutes for all these guys? They've got two. We're going to be having the, they have too many guys talk next year. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable what they've set up, isn't it? It's it's crazy that a lot of KU fans talk to me about uh, basketball. They want to say, hey, you want know to talk about next year's team? And I'm just like, well, this year is not like barely half over maybe maybe you should like this year's team too like you said this year's team is just as likely to i think i saw on bpi uh, espn's bpi that this ku team is like and again this is statistical rankings i know that ku hasn't played this well lately but like a 40-ish percent chance of getting a one seed this year i mean so we're talking about the down year for ku and still maybe at least a one in three chance or somewhere around that area to to, to pull off a one seed this season and, and perhaps even win the big 12 i mean it's it's crazy how the uh, standards and the expectations around this program have have risen to a an almost insane level. Yeah, and the, the Big Twelve could be in position if you get mm-hmm. two teams that I mean, let's say KU finishes even second in the Big Twelve, 
they might not be because the league's so strong and the Big Ten's down and the Pac-12's down. So, you know, it's it's not uh, – and the, and the SEC doesn't have a one-seed caliber team. So Big 12 could end up with, with, with two one-seeds. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up there. For CJ, this is Jesse. Thanks for checking out the Sports Beat KC podcast. As a personal message, please go on to uh, iTunes and rate and review the show. Uh, we share our little iTunes home uh, with the A-team, so the great coverage of the Kansas City Chiefs. But I, I noticed for them, a lot of their fans go on there and say nice and positive things about them. So uh, it would be what great. What about us? I, exactly. What about <laughs> us? Well, listen, we love the ego boost. There's no there's no problem. I'll admit it. But it would be great to see other reviews in there talking about the uh, the KU podcast. Positive or, I guess, if you hate it, negative too. But at least, uh, at least we'll have some representation of the uh, KU podcast available on iTunes there. So please go there. Check it out. Uh, check out CJ's work like he talked about soon. Mikhail Luke's story just posted up at The Athletic uh, and also uh, check out the KU coverage from myself and Gary Bedore at KansasCity.com and KUHoops.com Thanks for checking out the Sportsbeat KC podcast Be sure to tune in for another episode next week Geek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase.